Good afternoon. Good morning. Good evening, wherever you are. Thank you for joining another great episode of the Tangent Talk. And today is exciting, you guys. Every day is exciting when we're in our virtual studio. But today we have a special guest, Huggy, hailing from Toronto, Canada. Tuggy, are you out there, sir? I am. I am. I am. Howdy. Howdy. <laughs> howdy. And I know that, you know, they're French speaking Canadians. So how would you say hello in, in French? Well, I mean, I'm not a big French speaker at all. <laughs> but if you're going to start off with the general pleasantries, you know, like if, if it's the morning, I'd be doing a bonjour or a bonsoir, you know, okay, in the evening. Okay. I hear you. I hear you. Well, I tell you what, we here in the Dirty South and the cast from the Dirty South include myself, Luna Ma, Dark Juan, Helbra. And how do we say hello in the Dirty South? Dark Juan or Helbra, give Tuggy a hello or how do you do here in the South? Helbra? (laughs) (laughs) Morning, shawty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, a lot of people say, uh, "What's happening? <laughs> happening with no peas? What's happening?" Right. Yeah, that's Ti has made it that way for sure. And okay. last but certainly not least, hailing out of Chicago, we have T off. T off. How do you, uh, Chicago folks, say hello and how do you do? We say hello. We say good morning. You guys keep it proper in Chicago. Is that so? Yeah, it depends. You know, some people have a Chicago accent and some don't. I don't have the Chicago accent because I'm not of Irish descent. So it kind of kind of depends. I hear you. I hear you. Well, those are our greetings. And I know we have listeners in some really unique places. Um, one of these days, we're definitely going to have to uh, do some special thank yous to our listeners across the land. So wherever you are, however you say good day and welcome, we're happy to have you here with us. And today's topic is one that I'm in particular um, pretty excited about because, you know, as we live this life, and it's been an interesting life for many of us over the last year with this pandemic, not sure about you, but we certainly here at the Tangent Talk have spent a lot of time doing introspection, reflection, and we're reflecting today on what are some lessons that we learned growing up? Lessons we learned from our parents, our siblings, our extended family, maybe even our teachers, right? My favorite teacher was Miss Burke. Miss Burke, if you're listening to this, I appreciate you. She influenced me so much because I had a problem with math until I met Miss Burke and uh, she was my ninth grade algebra teacher. And I just, you know, Miss Burke had so much swag. She wore all these gold chains. I swear it was like five or six of them (laughs) dangling from her petite neck. And she was just about every student getting math. For her, math was important. She felt very strong about it being a language. And so I learned a lot from Miss Burke and I appreciate the fact that she didn't give up on me. A lot of other teachers did and math became one of my favorite subjects. So, you know, whether it's people that are related to you or people like Miss Burke who aren't, we pick up, right? We pick up a lot from people as we as we are learning and figuring this uh, thing called life out. So um, here in the studio, uh, right before recording, we decide to, you know, map out a few a few topics, and we're going to go around and ask each panelist about. What did they learn as it relates to happiness, for example? What did they learn as it relates to relationships, as it relates to education and career, as it relates to health, be that physical or emotional health? 
So again, those topics are happiness, relationships, education slash career, health, physical and emotional. And so ladies first, tee off, which of those topics, we're going to have a little Black Jeopardy here. Rest in peace, Alec Trebek. So tee off, which category do you want to start off with? Um, I think I'll start off with uh, education and career. Education and career. Awesome. And so some of the questions that we're going to talk about is, do we learn to thrive or do we learn to just survive? Are we risk takers or do we learn to be risk adverse? so on and so forth. So as it relates to education and career, Tioff, you picked the category. Talk to us. What were you taught indirectly or directly about education and career? I mean, of course, you're taught that, you know, education is important or to get some type of training or skill under your belt that you can use to secure employment. And I think a lot of us, well, I can't speak for you, but I do feel like a lot of people have been raised to survive more than thrive a lot of the messages that I grew up with and that I still hear even from my, my dad, you know, my dad's 70. It's like, if you express discontent with your job or that you want to change jobs or switch careers or do something else, my dad is old school. He has that attitude. You just need to be grateful that you have a job and just stick it out. And to which I always, when I have these type of conversations with my father, it's like, you know, well, if somebody's not happy in a job, why should they stay? And, and again, he just had, he's just always had that belief, you know, that because times are tough, you just need to be grateful to be working. And on the one hand, I do understand that, but on the other hand, it's like, you want to thrive in life too. And I feel like it's, it, I think I'm the only non-West Indian person on the panel, so I don't know what the cultural difference is, if there is a cultural difference, but I feel like as an African-American person, we're just, there's this idea that just be grateful that you, for what you have. And, and if you struggle, that's just life. And if you want something more than struggle, you're either doing too much or you think you're too good or better than everybody else. It's a kind of a strange dichotomy there. Understood. You know, and, and tee off, you bring up a good point. Obviously, we, we have a, a multinational cast. Many of us are West Indian. And uh, obviously, we, we did the uh, roll call with all of the areas that we live in. Speak to us, Tuggy and or Darkwan or Helbra. Is tee off pointing to something here when she talks about cultural differences about what we learn regarding education and career? Tuggy here. I find it very interesting, Tiaf. Thanks for thanks for sharing your your experiences in the past and and current. I grew up in in the Caribbean, Jamaica specifically. I'd, I'd call myself blessed in terms of the family in which I was able to learn from. Uh, I got some different perspectives that were bestowed upon me as I was growing up, and you know, even just the tutelage that I receive as an older young man, it's different than the messaging that you just put forth. And it's not uncommon though, right? So if you have enough awareness, especially in Jamaica, there are families out there, there are lots of children um, that grew up with the same mentality and probably even worse, right? I also see it here. I've been in Toronto now, uh, coming up 19 years this year. And, you know, I've come across a few families that think that way, but not many, right? So while there are cultural differences, I, I think in Jamaica specifically, uh, more people are in alignment with what you grew up with. I, I was just one that locked out to have a family that was able to steer me in an, another direction or at least 
open my awareness that there are options that if you want to fulfill them, you can go there and get them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Darquan Helbra, anything you want to add to what Tuggy shared or, or tee off regarding this topic of education and career? What were you taught or do you disagree with anything that's been shared thus far? No, I, I agree with Tuggy. Uh, and to kind of connect Tioff's point, you know, when you see people who come to America, oftentimes they are not the norm, let's say, from their countries. They are generally take some degree of success, let's say, to be able to, you know, leave your country and come to another country, you know, and start anew. So, you know, I know lots of people back in Jamaica who are exactly where I left them decades ago. You know, same neighborhood, not much changed doing the same things the generation before them were doing. So I think as uh, Tuggy shared, you know, I feel blessed that my parents were able to guide me in the direction they guided me in. And, and granted, both my parents were huge on education. My mother was a teacher and my dad ended up being a teacher, but he was also very education focused as well. So he shared with me that your education is the one thing they can't take from you here in America as a black person. So you know, I hadn't even thought about that difference in perception that Tioff really kind of shared before that statement. So, yeah, it's it's relatively the same, just that you are seeing the immigrants who tend to be the people who strive. And why do you think that is? I mean, is it a sense of we don't want to, for those of us who immigrate to the States, let's say, is it because we, we feel there's some unsaid pressure or maybe overt pressure from our parents to make good on their move from, say, other countries to the U.S.? I didn't feel, well, the pressure was there to succeed, but I didn't feel like it was undue at any point while I was growing up. I kind of felt that it was necessary for me to work hard to respect the efforts of my parents. So, you know, it, it is everybody else is working hard, so I have to work hard too, you know, kind of thing. Okay, okay. Um, and Helbra, were, were you going to weigh in on this topic of education and career? It seems like we're focusing a little bit more on the education part, which is fine. We're going to move on to some other categories, but what are you hearing in all this? No, I think as far as culture, as far as Caribbean versus uh, American-born African-Americans, I think it's a little bit closer than it is separate because like everyone is saying, you know, I was always just thinking back to growing up. I just always had the mentality, yeah, you go through high school and then you go to college and then you become successful. But um, there, of course, are so many other routes to success and then at the same time, what Tioff was said, I, I know a lot of people that that's their mentality. And then I know a lot of people that there isn't. So it just goes to show that as at least as far as this topic, education and career, we have a lot of similar experiences as opposed to different experiences. I'd agree with that, Ildris Helbra. And not to belabor this topic too much further, because we have some other good topics we want to unpack. But I'm just curious for the entire panel, having heard what you shared from Tioff right back to Helbra, would you have done anything differently, knowing what you know now and knowing oh, yes. the, the paths that you forged with education and or career? Would you have done anything differently? Ildris, weigh in. I hear you chuckling. Talk to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, personally, I don't even know if I would have gone to college. You know, if I could go back, I probably would have just uh, learned a trade that I enjoyed and, and tried to thrive in that. And maybe I'm speaking off of just the pressure of paying back student loans right now. 
But overall, I just think I would have been more open to other options as far as my post high school life. Understood. Well, you know, Biden's going to take care of your student loans, but talk to us, Tuggy. (laughs) 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 Would I have done anything differently? A few things. I think I played it safe to some extent uh, after coming to Toronto. I, I did make that decision earlier on in life that I wanted to come, and that's before the end of high school. And I, and I came on my on my own, and I'm grateful I was able to get the opportunity to enter this great place. And uh, I went into the education system. Yeah, you know, I did the university here, finished at a young age, and started in the workforce right away. And uh, my father is very heavy on the education side of things. So I uh, definitely remember him asking multiple times around when I was going to get my master's and, and so on and so forth. Because a, a guy like him, as you know, Luna Ma. He holds a PhD. Yeah, if, if not two. So uh, education is very high on, on his agenda for, for his children, including myself. So I, I haven't gotten my master's. I'm very happy I didn't go down that route because I feel like I would have lost out on some years of business development that I wouldn't have been able to experience if I went through the MBA. And anyhow, that's what I'm telling myself. Uh, the, the, <laughs> what, I, what I would definitely change though is when I was younger, especially in my 20s, I, I would have been more aggressive with the ideas that I came up with, because some of the ideas that I came up with at the time with friends, there are actually no real life things that are very successful that are going by names of very popular platforms that you guys know today. But it's not like we didn't think of it then, you know, it's just people acted and and were more proficient at doing it. Uh, the, the last two things to wrap up the point here is I'd focus more heavily on who do I listen to and making sure that you're ending up in the, in the right sphere of influence. You, know, you need to be listening to the people who have actually actually done it or in in you know whatever you're trying to achieve you need to you need to be dealing with experts in in that area and then also just your teachability you know like you you need to be open to learning but just not just any kind of learning the learning the right material you need to be able to strip your ego from certain things like even if you come very proficient there's always more to learn there's always a next level and i know that now i just i would have dug deeper into that at a younger age but for the most part i think i played it right but those two things would have accelerated my progression for sure absolutely understood tuggy thank you for that share what about you dark one and tee off and then we're going to move to another category this is good dark one I think I would have probably listened to my parents a little bit more. I was uh, I was very much a risk taker as a as a youth. So I was more concerned about getting rich and famous than I was about listening to what they were telling me to do. So even though I was a pretty good kid, I was definitely chasing my artistic goals first and foremost. I always kept a corporate job, but yeah, I, I had dreams of stardom and fame and wealth. And I don't think I prioritized the education as much as I would if I got to do a do-over because having the parents I had, by the time I, I was able to go to college, I was already pretty much burnt out from just that education focus my whole life. Being back in Jamaica, every school my mother taught at, I went to. And so my mom would come down the hallway and reprimand me if I did something wrong. So by the time I got to 16 or so, you know, I went to a magnet school in New York and I was able to go to college early. 
I didn't want to. I didn't want to take on that additional effort. So I think I would have probably made a different decision knowing what I know now. And I would have probably gone to college when I was a teenager as opposed to waiting till I was an adult. I can understand that for sure. Tee off? I don't know what I would change so much as it is. I wish I knew then what I know now, because a lot of things I didn't learn about, like as far as academic options or career options, I didn't really learn about because I was never really sure what I wanted to do when I was young. I've always had so many different interests and I still have a lot of interests now, even as an adult, my mind is just always all over the place. But I just wish I had access to the knowledge that I have now and the technology, because there are just things that I've come to realize that I would like to do or things I would like to switch over to that when I think back to when I was younger, like the Internet, the technology wasn't available. So for me, it's more just wishing I, you know, had more access to certain information in the past than what I have now, because there's so much information now that we just didn't have when we were younger. And I think that made at least for me, it would have made a, a, a bigger difference if I had access to certain information. Understood. And, you know, some could argue there's too much information. You know, I do wonder how young people today are able to make decisions with all the wealth of information that's accessible at, at their fingertips. So great discussion on that topic. And I'm sure a lot of the uh, subsequent points we'll make will tie back to education and career. But let's take a look at some of the other topics. Let's see where we want to go to next. So tee off, kick things off with education and career. Let's go to our guest. Tuggy is in the building. So let's talk to you, Tuggy. What topic would you like to touch on next? Let's do a deep dive on another topic. I will choose H for happiness. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said that you can't spell Tuggy without H, but we later found out it's actually spelled T-U-G-G-Y. But I definitely know that you, you represent and exude happiness, Tuggy. Talk to us about what you learned uh, and what you discovered about happiness in your childhood and then now in your adulthood. That, that's a good question. I mean, for, for the listeners, even, even for us here on, on the board, we have our own definitions of happiness, right? So anybody that answers, they probably should just throw that out there. When I, when I think of happiness, you know, I'm, I'm thinking ecstasy at some points, contentment, great satisfaction, you know, just regular enjoyment as a... As, as, as Dark One said, as a youth, the happiest memories were around family time and friends and ramping, playing lots of football and stuff in the neighborhood and the ability to just, yes, yeah, spend so much free time with friends. I, I, I don't see that being replicated here um, in Toronto, which is strange to me. It's, it's, it's very strange. Everything has to be coordinated. And I just remember as soon as you come from school, if you finish your homework, you know, you can just go outside and just ramp and you could be out there for like three. To I'm five. sorry, Tuggy, for the listeners, ramp would be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's say um, lots of running and most of the time was, was sport activities. So playing football, you guys call it soccer. Uh, we'd be playing baseball, we'd be making up anything, cricket, you know, racing against each other. I'm talking young ages, right? So we're talking between five and, and 14 uh, prime times to, to, to have fun. And of course, traveling around Jamaica, that was also wonderful. That brought great contentment and enjoyment to my life. Now, as, as an older person, I do find 
my happiest moments are still with friends. And what I also realized was as an adult is that the enjoyment I have around other people, the, the, the growth or the level of happiness becomes exponential if you are internally happy with yourself. You, you have to dig deeper first. Like you need to be able to separate having to be around people in order to get the happiness. But once you're right. content and, in, you know, you, you're very happy with yourself and your well-being, then it just extrapolates another level when you're around like-minded people or even, even sometimes not like-minded people. You know, it, it just accelerates things to our next level. And, and that's as an adult I've learned, you know, and, and I'm grateful for that. So let me just ask you, though, Tuggy, and, and we definitely want to go around the room on this topic. You mentioned some really key points here. You know, we, we've known you here at the panel for some time, and I, I have it that you are just innately happy and joyous. And so what do you say to people who may have grown up in environments where environmental stimuli or other external factors impact their degree of happiness, right? So I think about, we talked about how we greet folks here in the A and Helber said, what's happening? And I can't even, I can't even say it the way T.I. does, but I think about, you know, where T.I. grew up in a, a very, um, you know, in my view, just impoverished in a lot of ways in terms of, you know, I've driven through Bankhead. I, I didn't see one library. <laughs> so it, it was poor in a lot of different ways, not just because there weren't a lot of rich people that live or live currently in Bankhead. And I just wonder, you know, how did he create that drive to be a successful artist that he is today? How did you create that drive to be successful and to have that innate happiness that you seem to have? Because, you know, Helper says, I bring up hip hop a lot and why not? Hip hop is beautiful. But, you know, I think about Jay-Z's lyric, put me anywhere on God's green earth, I'll triple my worth. And I don't think he's just talking about his his riches, but he means he can survive anywhere. So you grew up in Jamaica, you're transplanted in Toronto, and nothing has changed. You are who you are. So where do you think you get that innate sense of happiness? And is it possible for others to create that when they're in environments that may be bleak, they may not be as positive as perhaps the environments you grew up in? Uh, I think this, this is a very great set of questions. Thanks for asking. So to start off with, Everybody has that ability. This is my belief that everybody has that ability to create great levels of happiness. You use the word innate. And yeah, you know what? I can continue to use that word innate because I actually believe everybody innately has that. It's just some people are able to bring it out more than others, but we, we all have it. And, you know, I'm a strong believer that people do things in their life because they believe it will make them feel better, right? So the decisions that they make, you make the things that you do, the things you say, especially the things that you do, you do it specifically at the time when you made a decision because you thought that action would make you feel better. And people are always doing things to strive to, to feel good. And, you know, sometimes you make some things that create adversity. And I will tell you that that has been the catalyst for the want to always be happy or as, as much as possible. And it's, it's absolutely through adversity, which is why I made the conscious decision at a younger age, which was then solidified later on, that if we're going to be here, we might as well make the best of it. You know, I grew up with right. Graves' illnesses, I had neuroblastoma. They gave me 
weeks or a couple months to live as a very young child in operable. You know, they sent me home to basically tell, told my parents to take care of their affairs because it was gonzo for this guy. And it didn't turn out that way, right? I'm still here talking to you. Um, I've had many different things pop up in life. You know, if you're talking about family drama, yes, my parents are not together. They've, they're divorced. Don't even need to bring up how they became that way. But, you know, I, I noticed those things. There's a dichotomy even within my family, just, just even the communications, just even like the tension between the family that, you know, most of you probably thought I had this awesome nuclear family. But yes, they're awesome, but it's not in the way you thought it was. Independently, they're great as individuals. And then you go up through life and you have some of your best friends just driving in a car and dying in car accidents, you know, and they're like 25 years old and you're, you question the meaning of life. Right. And then there's just more and more things that cross your plate and you run into, you're like, Holy smokes. And then you come and you travel and you're around people who have it like 10 times worse than you. And you realize that they're making the most out of life, if not happier than you, if they're, if you're able to judge, you're like, Man, if, if these people can live with such joy after going through those kind of things, what the hell am I complaining about? Um, right. If you even read the book like, uh, you know, Victor Frankl, uh, A Man's Search for Meaning, you, you'll see even being oppressed in the Nazi concentration camps, what the, the power of the mind can do. And, you know, all these combined lessons, it just makes sense that if we're here, it's up to you. The decision is yours. So just um, is either you're going to do it or not do it because nobody is going to do it for you. And, and that's my answer. Well, what an answer that was. I mean, <laughs> Tuggy, I appreciate that, man. We, we all do. The listeners, the panel, you shared intimately about your personal upbringing, surviving an illness that certainly could have been considered and was considered uh, fatal. You talked about losing a friend at 25 in a car accident. And I know uh, Helber has shared intimately with us that he also lost a friend last year due to a tragic accident. And so, and, and not to mention the mention of uh, Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning. I think this is what we are talking about today, <laughs> the search for the meaning in life. And so we really appreciate you sharing. Tee off, Helbra, Dark One, what would you like to add? I mean, I know, I know Tuggy just dropped the mic on us. Uh, anything else to add regarding happiness in either the pursuit of it or have you attained it? Or is happiness something that we're always striving for? Yeah, I'll, I'll go. That last question you just asked, I think, is important because I feel like personally, joy is kind of how I would describe what we want to achieve as humans on a spiritual level. I think happiness is more so momentarily. Our joy is what is inside us and happiness is what we express, right? So come now, um, selector. We got we got to rewind that. We got to rewind that record. Come back. What did you share? A helper that was brilliant. So you made a differentiation between joy and happiness. Share that once more. Right. You asked that question is happiness is something that we as humans are just always striving for. And I would say just from what I've learned, it would be more so joy because joy is the pleasant feelings that we have just in our soul every day or we want to have. And then happiness is how we express it or happiness is more so that pleasant feelings that we feel in that moment. And joy is just something that's internal 
So when you say we want happiness, I feel like just how we are as humans, when we have something and we feel like this, whatever this is, is making us happy when it goes away, which is, you know, a part of life, which how Tuggy just explained in the same experience I had with losing a friend suddenly and tragically or you know, having an illness, you know, with COVID, everybody is experiencing that. And just this loss that we as humans are, are feeling right now, it's like what we have. We have nothing. And then with not that feeling of nothing, we're depressed. But I feel like what we want as humans is joy. Now, how we go about getting it is, is that's a deeper, that's a level that's deeper than the level I am, I think. But um, I think that making that that difference is important. I would fully agree. I'm, I'm snapping my fingers on that, Helbra. You you helped, <laughs> listen, you. you helped distinguish it for me because it. I do sometimes feel, you know, if someone were to ask me Monday through Friday, am I happy? <laughs> it, it's fleeting, that happiness. But overall, I'll hear myself say it. I mean, I literally will say it out loud to no one in particular. I live alone. I'll say, life is good. And so I think that acknowledgement from the depths of my soul is that which you just spoke to, Helbra, that I'm feeling joy, even though I may have had a day that was anything but happy, <laughs> right? So that was a great distinction. Uh, Dark Juan, tee off before we move to the next topics. I know we have a couple more categories that we've got to step through, and this has been a rich discussion thus far. Anything to add, Dark Juan or tee off? Well, for me, I don't think I live in a state of joy or happiness I'm not sad, but I do feel that the happiness that I want requires additional effort on my part. I think we're all responsible for our own happiness and our, our own joy. I am good with where I am, but I think that for me, I, I'm kind of in a Benjamin Button sort of life where I was probably at my happiest when I was running around Mount Friendship at five, six years old, barefoot, going to the standpipe to get water running around through the bush with my cousins um, with a little, you know, steel pan with some flour and going to the river to catch Janga and make dumplings. So now... We'll put the I've translations in the notes, but go ahead, Dark One. Yeah, to, to catch crayfish and make dumplings by the river. Those are my happiest and most joyous memories. And what shocked me a couple of years ago when I started my business, well, my, the, the business I'm running now, was that I realized I had come full circle to back to what is really me, which is sitting by the river with the fire going, cooking food over the open fire, just being out in nature. That is when I'm at my happiest because I think, you know, what has happened is I did a lot of what people told me I was supposed to do in order to find happiness. But happiness for me is doing those things I did when I was a child. All the achievements and all the rest of that stuff is really secondary to me as opposed to feeling a sense of being who I really am. And I, you know, it really struck me. I think I was writing a post to my audience a year or two ago. And, you know, I kind of coined the phrase, which is, you know, you can take the man out of the mountains, but you can't take the mountains out of the man. And I think I'm happiest when I go home in the summers when there's not COVID and sit on the mountaintop with my uncle and do nothing. It takes me like two days before I get to that point. But I sit there with him, you know, we drink bush tea, we do all the basic, simple things because he still doesn't have running water up country, you know, and I go there. My mom won't stay because there's no air conditioning and all the rest of that stuff. But I go and I stay with him same way I did when I was five and six. And that's that's some of the happiest times for me because it gives me the 
strongest connection of who I really am, not all of this technology thrown on top and all of this societal requirements of me, but just being that kid from the country that I really am, even though I grew up in New York and all the metropolitan influences, I'm still right. just a country boy from the mountain. And At that's heart. what makes me happiest. Yeah. Absolutely. I understand. We will put the translations in the uh, in the notes because between Dark One and Tuggy, definitely want to make sure we uh, understand the cultural references, but we love them. Thank you, Dark One. Tee off before we move to our next category. Just to tack on to what Ildra said, I just I just wanted to read something really, really brief. It says joy is more consistent and is cultivated internally. It comes when you make peace with who you are why you are and how you are. Whereas happiness tends to be externally triggered and it's based on other people, things, places, thoughts, and events. So uh, thank you for that, Ildris. You're dropping some heavy wisdom there and it's just making me reflect on where I am in my life and that's striving for joy. So thank you for those words of wisdom. Thank you for reading that. Amen. I tell you what, we're taking it to church here, y'all. We're taking, we're definitely taking it to Jamaica, Tuggy and Dark One. But we also taking it to church. Amen. All right. So that's a great discussion on happiness, and we've heard some really personal shares from Tuggy and and Helbra and Dark One, and then that awesome quote that your passage that T off read, just beautiful. So we're back at the board. Let's now ask Helbra which category. Will you select next? We've got two that are remaining. Oh, let's do relationships. I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> I knew you were going to go there. So here are the questions to tee things off here with relationships. Were you taught to believe in romantic partnership or self-sufficient independence? Did you believe or were you taught to believe that marriage is forever? Were you even taught to believe in the institution of marriage? or that marriage is likely to end in divorce. Elbra. Well, I gotta go a little bit off base from you, Luna Mind. just start by saying, I am very heavy on um, the theory in psychology known as attachment styles. And uh, that has helped me immensely in just shaping who I am as a person and how I interact with people in all different types of relationships. I would suggest that for everybody look up the four different types of attachment styles. And, and by just, that, Helbra, excuse me for cutting across when you say you suggest that for everyone, you really mean me. Isn't that what you're <laughs> suggesting? <laughs> Go ahead, Helbra. I will comment on that. I just say everybody, like I said before. No, seriously, everybody. But yeah, I just learned that how you learn to interact with other people is shaped from the time you're born to about two or three years old. So I think that's important for us to know, being that we're speaking about families. And I just learned as far as relationships, I'm, I'm glad that I have a mother that taught me or I just learned just from watching her, like we were just speaking about happiness. Um, happiness is something that like Dark One and, and Tuggy said, happiness is something you, you have to create for yourself. You have to create for yourself. And a lot of us, we seek our sense of happiness and we seek our sense of validation and our approval from other people. And that leaves us without our strength. And when we don't have that validation and we don't have that approval, whether it be from, you know, your manager at work, whether it be from your boyfriend or your girlfriend, your husband or wife, you're left feeling empty. 
But I grew up in, you know, a household with a single mother. And I just remember some of my fondest memories would just be coming home from school or from playing sports, you know, in the evening. And my mother would be just drinking a glass of wine or, or listening to music or Barbara Streisand or Sade and just in this state of of peace. I can't even describe it. She would just always be in this state of peace. And, you know, that memory specifically, I, I love thinking about and just knowing that you can create your own happiness. And I'll just stop there and I'll bounce off of what everybody else says throughout this topic. Yeah, you know, you, you got me choked up. <clears throat> you got me choked up, Helper, because um, I think, one of the things I think about, you talked about being a product of a, a single parent home. I just had this conversation with a friend of mine this uh, past Saturday about, you know, and of course, for confidentiality reasons, I'm not going <laughs> to shout her out, but she is at the uh, crossroads here where she's deciding, do I divorce my husband of X number of years or do I stay with him? And so I said to her, let's say her name is, is Jane. I said, Jane, what's most important? And she said, well, for the children's sake, I don't want to break up. And I said, but aren't the children also seeing the ugly spats exactly. between you and your hubby? Exactly. And so when you talk about seeing your mother in a peaceful place where there isn't anger and hostility, I often think about that whole notion of, well, we need to stay together for the children's sake. It's like, no, <laughs> for the children's sake, let's make sure the environment is, is positive and, and rewarding. And so um, just really beautiful share, Helbra. Before I, before I go too far, because you know, I don't have my tissue box next to me, uh, Dark Wantucky, tee off, what do you want to share as it relates to relationships and anything that may have showed up for you in Helbra's share? I think for me, but really what my dad taught me was that I, I should focus more on listening to people than talking early on and that I should kind of come to the conversations with people expecting that they have something valuable for me to hear. Didn't, didn't really get it early on in life. I was way more about talking. You know, I knew everything and I needed to share that with everybody. But I uh, had good friends who curbed that behavior in college and let me know that I didn't know everything and that I needed to shut up and listen. So it was kind of reinforced. And what I realized in terms of relationships is you generally do better in building them when you are genuinely interested in understanding the other people. And I intentionally trained myself to operate in that way when, you know, communicating and socializing with people. And I think my life has been a lot better because I was always trying to draw information out of people and, and not necessarily, and I have a strong ego too. I do have stuff I want to share about me, but I have I've gained so much value from just asking people questions and really being interested in them. And, you know, just I think one of the things that jumps out at me the most in that area is I've always I've always been a culture freak. I've always been interested in other people's culture and really asking people questions about their culture has really enriched my life. And I think it taught me that that was the way to really get to know people. And so I tend to be pretty inquisitive in almost all relationships, really, because I feel like they're they're these little jewels to unearth in building relationships with people. and. Oftentimes you can find those little key things. Like if you have a Russian coworker, you can tell her spasibo instead of thanks. And just, I guess the thought she has that you actually took the time to figure out how to say thanks to her in her native language makes a little difference. And so just those little things about listening to people 
have really made my life a lot better than talking to people. Thank you for that, Dark One. And Tuggy will have to, uh, Tuggy, is that correct? Because your partner is Russian. <laughs> is that correct? What Dark One to share? I'm teasing Dark One. I think that was correct Russian, but I don't speak Russian, Tuggy. <laughs> yeah, it is correct. <laughs> it is Fasima, indeed. Well, you know, I think what's great about what Dark Juan shared is, you know, he's speaking of platonic relationships. Helper spoke in part to romantic relationships and the impact when those relationships end, he being the product of a um, single parent home. What, if any, would you or Tioff want to add, Tuggy, to the conversation specifically around relationships, be it platonic or romantic? I'll let Tioff go um, and then I'll answer and bounce off of her feedback as well. Such a classic man, T.R. <laughs> Thanks, Dougie. At least in terms of how I was taught or raised to view romantic relationships, I I wasn't really raised with it either way. Like I was, I don't know how to explain it, but it was like either I find somebody or I don't. Sometimes I'm told because I'm a single person, you know, I've been told by my mom, just be careful what you wish for, just be happy by yourself and on the other hand, it's like, oh, you need to find somebody who's a good provider or this and that. It's like I I was never really raised with any solid advice, not from my parents, about relationships either way. It's just I kind of had to learn by trial and error as an adult and kind of discover what it is I want and don't want after my own dating experiences. But I was not raised with anything in particular. Like, I think both my parents, they both expressed, you know, recent months that they would like to see, because both my sister and I are single and they both express, oh, it'd be nice. You know, I would like to see my daughters find someone, but they never really groomed us for romantic relationships. But it, it's it's complicated. But as for me, it's just trial and error as, as an adult, really. Let me ask you this, Tioff. I know you mentioned on a previous episode that your parents divorced when you were a youngster, five years old, if I remember correctly. Do you think that you learned anything indirectly from seeing your parents for those years that they were married about romantic relationships? What I learned from seeing my parents is that if it's not working, you need to go your separate ways. Got it. And and we also know from a previous episode, matter of fact, our episode celebrating fathers, shout out to the great fathers out there, your father being one of them, Tioff. Would you say then that that was a benefit, being a benefit, meaning it didn't work out, they went their separate ways, but you still maintained a, a healthy relationship with both mom and dad, I would assert. Would you agree? Well, I wouldn't necessarily say, well, my <laughs> relationship with my mom was not healthy. That's another, that's a whole other podcast. But I, I would say, I can say definitively, I had, at least growing up, I had a healthier relationship with my father than with my mother. Understood. Understood. Well, we'll, we'll definitely tease out a few more tidbits when we get into the, the last topic, which is emotional and physical health. But uh, Tuggy, you said you were going to you were going to uh, chime in based on Tioff's share, and you can certainly chime in on anyone's share. Talk to us about relationships. We know that you are uh, no longer a bachelor and haven't been for many years. <laughs> you have a beautiful partner, uh, a beautiful <laughs> Russian woman. And so talk to us about relationships from the platonic or romantic side or anything that you want to add. Yeah, no, fair, fair enough. Um, I, I really like hearing the answers for answers from everybody else on the panel. In, in fact, Luna Mad, I'd love for you to jump in on this topic as well uh, to say your two cents. From a Plutonic standpoint, th these relationships, I've created them 
over the years and um, a, a lot of the friends that I have right now the plutonic level have bonds with these people that are greater than even uh, blood relatives and even today one of my best friends he got married and um, because of the current state of affairs uh, I wasn't be able to be there with him but just even the emotional connection just seeing each other on on video before the wedding started this morning and just sharing that joy is a it's really an amazing thing so from a plutonic standpoint these relationships are, are very very important to have and yeah you know I'd, I'd, I'd leave it at that from from the more romantic side i believe you started off by asking a question if we believe in the romantic partnership or or, or self-sufficient independence I actually don't think they're mutually exclusive. Um, I strongly believe that you can have both of those. You can have your level of independence or it's a contract that you, the both of you, or wh whoever is involved in this relationship, that you, you plan it out the way you want it to be. So you express certain levels of independence in certain ways. You have your partner, you discuss that, you understand each other. Why not? And then, of course, you can have the romance to go along with it in terms of what, you know, Helbra and um, Darquan and, and Tioff have been saying as well. You know, I, I grew up in a family where they were, to, you know, my parents were together and then and then they weren't, you know, after the age of seven or eight. And it's only as a well, maybe by about 15, I realized that, oh, it's actually a good thing that they went their separate ways. And I learned a lot from that. And it's been helpful. You know, in fact, that adversity, if you want to call it that, the, the difference is in that it, it allowed me to see what I didn't want to do or didn't want to have. So from that, you now you can flip it around to now determine what you do want. And then you create that in your own life, right? So it's all lessons, whether you have a full nuclear family of people that are together. I also have seen many relationships where they definitely should not be together and they're together just because of the societal pressures and they're together because they think it's best for the kids. You guys used that example earlier. I'm not a believer in that at all. And if you guys can't figure it out as a couple, then yeah, you know, it's, it's probably best to, to go your separate ways and travel on, on different paths. There's no wrong road. You know, you should live life to your fullest. So don't get tied down into things that doesn't matter anyway. Like these contracts that we have with each other. So what? What if you stayed together for 50 years? And what if you didn't stay together and you were with, you know, 10 different partners? Or what if you got married 10 different times? What, what does it matter? Like it actually doesn't. If you actually think about it, it's just people making noise. But at the end of the day, it's your life. They talk, but they forget. And people make very big life decisions based on what they think other people are going to say or do about them. But honestly, like people don't really care that much about what you have to say or do. Like the mind is very fickle. So they'll forget in a day, a week, or a month. Like it, you know, they have their own lives to be busy to think about. So why are you going to, you know, give that much credence to what other people are thinking? You absolutely need to work on yourselves. And as a couple, and if you're going to travel that road together, fantastic. But if you decided that, hey, you know what, we're going to know, I'm going to go on this road, go to the right, or I'm going to go on that road to the left, and you have to go your separate ways, then all the best, and you can still be happy. I, those are my thoughts, and that's how I think about it. 
Understood. Well, Tuggy, you know, as you you shared, particularly towards the end where you talk about, you know, why does it matter how many times, you know, someone's been married or not? It's interesting what came back for me, and I'm sure the cast may have felt the same way, was our, our episode on Halle Berry is not crazy. And we talked about how she is often criticized for the number of romantic partners and people even suggest that, oh, she is incapable of sustaining partnership, but she has written uh, on social media that she enjoyed what she enjoyed, you know, in those relationships. And I absolutely agree with you that people's perspectives on our relationship status, be it single or partnered, really should not be our concern. You asked me to weigh in, so I'll weigh in briefly. I'll I'll spend more time during the wrap-up on this topic. I will share that recently I've come to my own epiphany (laughs) with love. Uh, The cast knows because this is part podcast, part therapy for us. (laughs) So in a previous uh, podcast episode, I shared, you know, I have had a challenging time with my last relationship. And it, it dawned on me the other day, I just got it clearly, I've often thought that the reason why I was willing to endure certain challenges in relationships was because I had this deep capacity to love. And so that deep capacity to love would in some ways blind me from what was really so, because I would, I would justify that, oh, I, I can overlook that. It's, you know, it's my depth of uh, love. But what I realize is what the greater capacity is the insecurity of never finding love, a love that really is fulfilling and life affirming. And so the epiphany I had was not coming from that space of what if I never find love and therefore accepting or dealing with something that is less than what I desire, but rather coming from a place of I will find love. And to your point, Tuggy, maybe it won't be forever. Maybe it will just be for five years, maybe not. But the point is to enjoy what there is to enjoy that moment. Uh, albeit a healthy relationship to enjoy. So more in the wrap up, but those were my thoughts on relationships, in particular romantic relationships. So our last topic is health as it relates to physical and emotional. We are winding down this episode. Hope you're enjoying it, listeners. And so with this one, we'll start with Tioff to talk to us about what she was taught indirectly or directly around physical health, emotional health, and how that looks for you today, Tioff. And we'll go around the panel and end with our wrap-ups shortly. So Tioff? My mom was always good about teaching us how to eat healthy. That's not to say that I always listened and ate healthy because, you know, the junk always tastes better than the healthy stuff. But my mom, you know, was pretty good about teaching us how to eat healthy and exercising, things like that. My dad, not so much, but my mom has always been a big proponent of eating healthy and finding natural remedies, things like that. And I still maintain that, always looking for healthier things and natural alternatives uh, when it comes to natural healing, things like that. I don't get it 100%. I mean, like I said, I love junk food, but some of the things that my mom taught me when I was younger, I still maintain that. Like she was a big proponent of the book, uh, Back to Eden, things like that. So I still maintain some of that. And what about your emotional health, Tioff? What do you think that you learn directly or indirectly from family and friends? And how does that look today for you? Well, as a child, growing up African-American, you don't learn anything about that. 
it's like once you become an adult and you look at the issues or the traumas that you grow up with and then you realize, okay, I might need to get some therapy to get a handle on some of the negative things or traumas that I, you know, grew up with as a child. But when you're young in our culture, it's not it's not discussed at all. Okay. Okay. So that's Tioff's opinion. Why don't we just bleed right into Helbra? You are in the space of health care. How does it show up for you in terms of emotional health and physical health? You know, Tioff says, hey, we, we're not really taught how to take care of our emotional health. What say you? Yeah. Well, um, of course, with everything that's going on in the world today, I just link it back to what I said about um, your happiness and your joy are things that you really have to create for yourself. And um, other people have also said that. But um, tying back to what I've learned about health and wellness, specifically physical and emotional, as far as my family goes, my mother works in dietary and, and is a dietitian. And my one of my earliest memories, because this also includes happiness, is going with her to these huge nutritional fairs. And those are some of my earliest happiest memories and some of my earliest memories as far as what I learned and how to, for the most part, eat healthy and, and stay active. And, you know, learning those things is also what, you know, motivated me to go into the career that I am now. So it also ties into, you know, what we talked about as far as education and career. And um, I do agree with what Tioff said. It's, it's interesting how in the Black community, and I don't know, I don't have the answers, you know, but it's like we don't really take pride in putting mental and emotional and psychological health as a priority. And I don't know, maybe we're just trying to survive for the most part, but um, I remember that never really being much of a topic in my household until those of us in my immediate family got significantly older. I remember, <laughs> and it might be a difference in, you know, how boys and girls are raised in the household, but as far as just the topic of how you're doing, you know, how are you feeling, what happened, what's happening in your life, and how those things that are happening are making you feel, I think even to present day, my mother has those conversations more with my sister than with me. And it, it might, like I said, it might just be a boy and a girl thing, but I think it's just what we as Black people and what we as parents and, you know, how we raise our, our boys and versus our girls. I remember that being also something that stands out for me. But what I've learned as far as present day through everything is just, you know, you have to put your health at the forefront of, you know, anything else. And there are so many different dimensions of health and wellness that we're speaking on now. Your physical health, your emotional health. Sometimes you have to make that divorce happen for your own wellness, even though your kids will no longer be in a, a nuclear household, but it'll be better for their health to see both of their parents healthy and making decisions for their best interests as opposed to in an unhealthy relationship. And hopefully COVID and, and what's going on in the world today just makes us realize that, you know, our health and our wellness is at the top of the pyramid as far as what's important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a time that we have to consider our mental health and well-being, considering, you know, I think about those of us working from home and the, the thought may be, oh, you're working from home, you get to wash dishes and a, a 
throw in a load of laundry and, you know, relax on your, your chaise lounge. And it's like, no, <laughs> many of us working from home are probably working harder. I know I can attest to that. And it's like taking care of your well-being in that regard, but also the emotional, mental well-being as it relates, as you touched on, Helbra, because, uh, you know, obviously we know there's been a spate in suicides, in the suicide rates um, internationally, not just here in the U.S. because of the pandemic. So this time is critical, our mental and emotional uh, well-being, I should say. Tuggy, anything else to add to that? And then we're going to go into our wrap-up session. So Tuggy, around physical or emotional health. I know physically speaking, you are an avid, much like Helbra, a sports fan. You play, I think it's called, I'm confused now if it's soccer or football. (laughs) Help us out. But I know you play one of those sports. Yeah, it's football. It's football. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I know. I was just saying the one where, you know, use your foot and then there's a ball uh, primarily. Football, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I call it football. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, talk to us, uh, Tuggy, about physical and emotional health, because we know that you play uh, sports. I remember, you know, you also being a badminton fan and champion. So we know that physical health is important. Do you want to speak from that angle or the emotional health angle? Yeah, I mean, I can drop two cents for both or one cent in each bucket. For the physical side of things, it's definitely more prominent now as I grow older, how important it is. I think as a younger person who took that for granted, you know, would heal a lot faster. Again, I've been blessed so that I know the importance of the intake that you do have the food intake and, and and what it does to the body. You know, there are many references out there that say that the body is the temple, so you need to take care of it. And, um, you know, as people age, it becomes harder to recover from certain things. And, you know, it, people should always take that into grave consideration because what you're doing is you're not just affecting yourself. You're, you're an example for the people around you. And also, you when you also become dilapidated from things that you probably could have avoided, it just stresses out the other people around you as well. So just for the benefit of yourself and everyone around, obviously, taking care of your physical body is super important. And of course, the ingestion of, of food and environment uh, that you're living in, it contributes heavily to that. Now, from the emotional standpoint, you know, we can use it as a good segue. The physical side of things, you know, people, if they take care of themselves physically, it does help on the emotional side of things as well, right? It is more clarity. You, you have more availability to be able to handle things emotionally. I, I do agree and believe that from a, an emotional side of things, it can cause even greater detriment to the body physically, just what's going on in your head and the emotions that you you live with, right? Which is why I'm going to tie it back to being happy because emotionally not taking care of yourself that way and not being free or try to as much be stress-free, it can create physical deficiencies and disease Um, And I'm a big believer in that. So, you know, all around from an emotional standpoint, physically ingestion, application, it's something people should have as their number one priority as Helber was throwing out there. It's super, super important. Agreed, Tuggy. And I I love what you talked about when you mentioned the interconnectedness of all of these topics we've spoken about today. So I think this is a great time to go into our wrap up. And we're going to end with Dark Juan. 
definitely got to start with our guest. So Tuggy, uh, please uh, come come back to the mic and talk to us. You know, if, if we're honest, we we tackled some <laughs> meaty subjects today: happiness, relationships, education, career, health physical and emotional, either of those or rather any of those topics could have served as a, a one hour podcast special. We, we tackled all four today. What would you like to share with the audience regarding these four topics? Specifically, is there one that jumps out at you? Your 30 second wrap up begins now. Uh, thanks for that. Uh, I wasn't privy to this is how it goes down, but I can handle it. It's, it's all good. Yeah. You know, I am referencing someone that I listened to a good amount of content from, Ty Lopez. Uh, he, he categorizes many things in terms of how he makes his decisions, health, wealth, love, and happiness. And as you said, we cover quite a bit of this. You know, we didn't touch up on the risk taker side of things, whether we're risk takers or being risk averse. But, you know, just to wrap up everything we're talking about today, I, I absolutely believe it's best to thrive than just to survive. Tioff mentioned that her, her growing up was more on the survival side of things and thriving is definitely the way to go. Being a risk taker, I, I would certainly call myself that. But as I do grow, I'm making more calculated risks, right? So is it really a big risk is a question you can ask. But, you know, more and more on that from a romantic and plutonic side of things in terms of relationships, both are very important in life and it contributes to that main thing you were talking about in regards to happiness and yeah you know what as the point i said before marriages they can be long term they can be short term it can be romantic and you can also be self-sufficient it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive and you know all together yeah you're right we could have a whole hour session on each topic, but all around, and hopefully the listeners, they got some bite sizes. And of course, if they wanted to drill down into those topics in further detail, I'd be happy to, to come and do a part two for you and your listeners. Thank you again. You made that easy and you're so welcome, Tuggy, because I was going to ask, when are you going to come back and join the uh, panel? And hey, maybe, you know, I know things are pretty strict in Canada in terms of the uh, lockdown with the pandemic. But when we reach herd immunity here in Atlanta, because sometimes I don't think we believe that there's a pandemic happening in our beautiful state of Georgia. <laughs> but uh, when we reach herd immunity, you've got to come and maybe even join us live here in Atlanta for another episode. So thank you so much, Tuggy. And uh, we move now to uh, tee off. Tee off, based on all the topics we discussed today, which one are you leaning more towards or do you want to give just a general overview of all of the topics in your wrap up, which begins now? I'm leaning more toward piggybacking on what Tuggy said, thriving instead of surviving and also happiness and finding joy, because those are two things that I, I feel like people don't really think about, especially with everything that's going on now. Everybody's just trying to survive and a lot of people are unhappy, but the ultimate goal in life should be to thrive and find that absolute joy. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you for that, Tioff. We move now to Helbra. Uh, great topics. And I think I know which one you're <laughs> going to lean towards. Relationships. But um, you might you might touch on others because I know you're very passionate about health, emotional, and physical as well, Helbra. Which of the topics mm -hmm. is near and dear to your heart? Your wrap up begins now. 
Yeah, I'll actually just wrap up speaking on health and just <laughs> with the times we're in right now, like I said before, the last time I spoke, your health has to take precedent to anything else. And, you know, I hope everyone is able to stay centered and stay as happy as they can be and as healthy as they can be. Thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely. We come now to Dark Juan, and then I'll I'll weigh in as well during this wrap up. Dark Juan, uh, several topics of which we've moved through today. I'll uh, ask you the same thing. Which of these topics, happiness, relationships, education, career, or health resonates the most with you? Your 30-second wrap up begins now. I think they all resonate with me. I think I agree with Ildris that your health is primary. I, I think they say that without health, you have nothing. So, you know, that is the start of everything really is, is being healthy enough to have relationships or, or to take risks or to thrive. I think second of these topics that resonates with me is thriving and going back to learning from our families and parents and so forth. That was the thing that stood out to me is they taught us to work to thrive and not to survive. So yeah, that I think after your health comes that commitment to thriving. And then third out of those, I think, is being a risk taker. I often say that if you don't take a chance, then you won't have a chance. And I definitely think that life is a bunch of calculated risks. And I always say life is a bunch of interconnected decisions, and some of them are going to be risks. So while I truly am risk averse, I have come to the acceptance that you have to take some risks to get the things you want out of life, or especially if you're focusing on thriving. So those are the ones that jump out to me the most. And then I think we're social animals and our relationships are really what society is about. It's about the relationships that you build. So whether that be with your family, your friends or your romantic partners, life is about relationships when it all comes down to it. Couldn't agree with you more, Dark Juan. Thank you for your wrap up. So because Dark Juan spoke to some of the questions that we have on thetangenttalk.com, we encourage you to visit our hub. I'm going to actually complete my wrap up by answering these questions in rapid fire style. The first, was I taught to thrive or just survive life? You know, I'll be honest with you, immigrant parents and other relatives, I saw them as hustlers just trying to survive. And I'm happy that many of my relatives who are still, you know, they're older than me, but still young, and many of them young at heart are now learning how to really enjoy and thrive in life, right? They're, they're at the age and stage in their life where they don't have to hustle <laughs> and work as hard. And they're really learning how to just thrive. And by thrive, I don't necessarily mean climb the corporate ladder anymore, but just enjoying their time on this earth. Was I taught to be a risk taker or risk adverse? Again, immigrant parents and family members taught me to take risks. You know, it, I personally could not see myself moving to a different country. I know Tuggy did at a young age. I, I just didn't have the courage <laughs> at that age to do so. But certainly I've learned how to take risks in other areas of my life. Was I taught to believe in romantic partnership or self-sufficient independence? Definitely self-sufficient <laughs> independence. And I, um, you know, I've stumped my toe on romantic partnerships, but I, I'm not giving up the fight. I know that one day I will have everything that I desire in romantic partnership. And lastly, was I taught to believe that marriage is forever or marriage is likely to end in divorce? Well, 
just, you know, candidly speaking, I don't think there's anyone in my family who's currently married. So my tendency was to think, yeah, all marriages end in divorce. But what I really think is important, and our guest Tuggy spoke to that, is it's not so much about the length of the relationship as it is what we got from it in terms of the the joy and, and lessons learned. And so I'm really just out to create a life-affirming, value-creating relationship. And it may not even look like a marriage. Maybe it's just a partnership where we live together forever and raise kids or, or dogs. I don't know which one. But um, what's most important to me is to not give up hope in that area. I hope you all have enjoyed today's episode as much as I have. There's so much that we could have discussed. Please visit thetangenttalk.com. Scroll all the way to the bottom, there is a feedback form and let us know which topic you would like us to branch out on. You heard Tuggy say here live that he will be happy to return. We thank you for your listenership and we hope that all of these categories are being fulfilled in your life. Thank you so much. 